Michael Swickert here. Welcome to Enchanting People of New Mexico. We're sponsored by the Fresh Chili Company in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Our award-winning Hatch Green and Red Chili, boy, is it good. It's from locally owned farms in Hatch, New Mexico, the chili capital of the world. Sometimes on these Fresh Chili, com- uh, Fresh chili Company podcasts about enchanting stories and people of New Mexico, I do more than one person, but today, boy, I'm going to do a lot. I've been doing several directly. That's what I'm going to do is several people directly and half a million people, many of them in New Mexico, indirectly. You see, I'm talking about Apollo 17, which 51 years ago was on the moon with Gene Cernan and New Mexico's Jack Smith. That's Jack Smith, who was born in Santa Rita, New Mexico, graduated from Western High School in Silver City. Yes, it changed its name to Silver High School, but it was Western High School in 1953. Uh, That was its name when Jack Smith graduated. Partly personal, it was the name that my mother, Joanna, graduated Western High School in 1943. And my grandmother graduated from the college there in Silver City in 1917 with a master's degree. Well, anyway, Apollo 17 was the culmination of 40 hard years of work from the early rocket research by Robert Goddard outside of Roswell, New Mexico, to the opening of the White Sands Proving Grounds and the first American rockets to reach space and uh, the picking of the first astronaut group. And then it finally ended up 75 hours on the moon with Apollo 17. There were names that could be said to lead this attempt, but I'd like to talk about President John Kennedy's speech to Congress May 25, 1961. It's the one you hear most often. Here's what he said. He said, I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. No single space project in this period will be more impressive to mankind or more important to the long-range exploration of space and none will be so difficult or expensive to accomplish. Now, that got America started toward the moon. Then he made an even greater speech. I really like this. I think about it all the time. September 12, 1962, at Rice University Stadium. He said to that crowd, We shall send to the moon, 240,000 miles away, a giant rocket more than 300 feet tall, on an untried mission to an unknown celestial body, and then return safely to Earth. But why, some say, the moon? Why choose this as a goal? And they may well as ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why, 35 years ago, fly the Atlantic? This is the great part. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. One we are unwilling to postpone. And therefore, we set sail. We ask God's blessing on the most hazardous and dangerous and greatest adventure 
that man has ever gone. Well, that is what happened. Our nation became better because of the challenges in ways not obvious today, such as the development of tracking and communications. In 1961, we didn't know most of the questions we needed to ask, but 51 years ago, we did it all. And a New Mexican, Dr. Harrison Jack Smith, was the lunar module pilot. Gene Cernan from Chicago was the mission commander, and we were on the moon. Michael Swickert here, enchanting people of New Mexico. Boy, I'm talking about a lot of people today. You can hit subscribe to automatically get these podcasts. Today I'm remembering the Apollo 17 landing on the moon and them spending 75 hours there with three long exploration trips by Smith and Cernan. First, a little on Jack Smith, as we know. He was born in Santa Rita, New Mexico, just east of Silver City, graduated high school at Silver High, got a Bachelor's of Science in Geology from the California Institute of Technology in 1957. This is where it gets interesting. Then he was awarded a Fulbright scholarship to study geology at the University of Oslo in Norway. Then he was on to Harvard, where he got a Ph.D. in 1964, using field studies from his Fulbright research in Norway on geology. I mean, this guy really liked geology. Upon graduation from Harvard, Dr. Smith worked at the U.S. Geological Survey's Astrogeology Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. He was developing geological field tech TechnoQuest to be used by the Apollo crews on the moon. Then he joined NASA as a scientist astronaut in June of 1965. After joining, Jack Smith spent a year at the Air Force Air Training Command. He had to learn how to fly jets, which all astronauts had to do. He was then the regular principal trainer for astronauts on geologic observations while they were on the moon. This was before the first step on the moon, but to some uneducated people, the landscape at the moon all looked alike, but not to geologists, I tell you. Uh, to them, they recognized there was a, a, just a whole world of different uh, looks. In fact, at this time in December 1972, Jack Smith collected a rock sample, which, and it it's been called, and I'm quoting here what it was called, without doubt the most interesting sample returned from the moon. He saw something that nobody else saw, and he got that rock and brought it back here. I don't remember how big it was. But that's why there was a push by scientists to get Jack Smith onto Apollo 17, because they realized it was going to be the last Apollo mission to the moon. Now, Harrison Jack Smith spent a great deal of time becoming an expert on the Apollo command module and the lunar module because he was scheduled to fly on Apollo 20. You've never heard of Apollo 20, and there's a good reason. Because when it got down to it, it was scrubbed due to budget issues. 19 and 20 were scrubbed. So he was transferred to Apollo 18 to land on the moon. Alas, it was scrubbed, again, for budget reasons, and the body of scientists insisted that at least one scientific geologist 
walk on the moon and look at it firsthand. And it did pay off. Like I said, they got a sample that was just great. Of course, it displaced Joe Engel, who could have walked on the moon. But Joe Engel had several great moments, like he was an F, uh, no, an X-15 pilot, made it all the way into space with the X-15. He also was on two of the shuttle missions, so he did get to space. Now, Jack Smith had already spent thousands of hours on the moon rocks. This wasn't, you know, when they started talking about it, because after each moon landing, he was part of the team that conducting the examination and evaluation of the lunar samples. He also helped the landing crews on each of them with their scientific reports on the missions. Again, he looked at what had happened at each landing, and that, I guess, really helped him think about what he would do when he was on the moon, looking at the geology of the moon. Even though he ran for U.S. Senate and defeated Joe Montoya, serving one term in the U.S. Senate, he's not generally recognized by people. He's kind of a calm person. A few yes, but he hasn't stood out in the crowds. Now, in elementary school, in his high school graduating town of Silver City, New Mexico, was named in his honor in the 1970s. I've been there helping with literacy and numeracy problems for them. It's on the south side of Silver City. You know, I was interviewing one time, and he was laughingly telling me that a kid at the school came up to him while he was there and asked him why he was named after their school. <laughs> I thought that was good. Michael Swickard here, Enchanting People of New Mexico. Each Wednesday, we do a podcast about people who are special to New Mexico. We do uh, Mondays and Fridays, we do Enchanting Stories of New Mexico. I was talking about the NASA program to the moon. It's estimated that nearly a half million Americans in one way or another worked on the technology and the scientific developments so that 51 years ago this week, Apollo 17 took off in a cloud of dust and smoke in the middle of the night on December 7th. It was about 12.35 in the morning and returned safely 12 days and 14 hours later. Boy, that's a long time. Apollo 17 broke the record for longest time in lunar orbit also. They spent in lunar orbit six days and four hours circling the moon. Now, just for comparison, the entire Apollo 11 mission was eight days. The total time Smith and Cernan spent outside of the lunar module was 22 hours and 4 minutes over a total of 75 hours on the moon's surface. They drove their lunar rover a total of 12.3 miles. Now, a lot of people don't realize how important the rover was, but much of the discovery on the moon would not have been possible without them being able to drive over and look at things. And then they were home safely. I've talked to several Apollo astronauts over the years, including several long interviews with Dr. Smith when he was uh, a senator, and some shorter interviews with several of the astronauts, including Buzz Aldrin when he was here in Las Cruces, and again, conversations with several others. 
I also worked for Frank Borman, Apollo 8, for two years doing history and culture of New Mexico stories for their car dealership uh, advertisements, and it was really neat to be able to talk to him. And a lot of the data for the, the stories that I did then, I'm still using now because I did the research 40 years ago. They, those people, those astronauts, got the media lights shined on them. And I've also interviewed quite a few people who worked in rocket development at White Sands. And I would include one of them, Radar, was my uncle Eugene McKim. He started in 1950 and, and he retired in 1992. And from all these conversations, I realize how many millions and millions of hours these mostly nameless, faceless scientists and technicians spent so that men could go to the moon and return safely. Now, we must also thank the families of these workers since they were involved in the day-to-day -day lives of these people. And again, when these people had to go somewhere and work, the families recognized what they were doing. And finally, there's so many companies to thank. People started companies, people had companies. I'm not going to mention any of them for fear of forgetting an important one because there were so many. But all this stuff, May 25th, 1961, when uh, President Kennedy started talking about going to the moon, it wasn't there. They had to invent it. And so there's many books and uh, Frank Borman had a great book uh, called Countdown. You can get books detailing these days if you want more. One thing details so many people who worked in the space industry, and I, I, I just want to read this. Apollo 17's commander, Gene Cernan, made this comment as he came out, and he was just about to touch down on the moon with his foot. He said, I'm on the foot pad in Houston as I step off at the surface I'd like to dedicate this first step of Apollo 17 to all those who made it possible. Yep, that's for sure. It really started in New Mexico from Robert Goddard's rocket research outside Roswell to the paperclip scientists who came to southern New Mexico to join with American scientists building the rocket research from the sounding rockets that were launched at White Sands Proving Grounds to all the radar and tracking and communications development, it all started here. And I remember clearly looking up at the moon 51 years ago at night and quietly celebrating these achievements. Michael Swickert here with Enchanting People of New Mexico, brought to you by the Fresh Chili Company. Thank you for your time today. We'll always have lots of news and stories about New Mexico with these podcasts. If you have something or someone you'd like me to talk about, write to me, michael at freshchilico.com, michael at freshchilico.com. Have a great rest of your day. Oh, yes, and eat plenty of that good Hatch Valley chili. Like I always say, some chili's good and more is better, as long as it is Hatch Valley chili. Bye for now.